You're listening to the Rock and Roll Heaven Podcast with LD and TJ. Can you dig that, baby? <laughs> Hey guys, welcome to Rock and Roll Heaven, the podcast where we talk about the lives, careers, and deaths of famous musicians. I am your host, LD. Alongside me is a very sick TJ. Heya. Hi, sweetheart. I can't believe you just crawled out of bed to come record this. Well, you gotta do what you gotta do, man. The show must go on. I know, I know. And um, every week we sit down and we record two episodes and of course, this was the week that I kind of went overboard on my research on the second episode. So we're just going to see how this plays out. <laughs> yeah, LD's <laughs> trying to kill me. <laughs> no, if I was trying to kill you, I. You know what? Well, Never but, mind. But we, ha- but we haven't. <laughs> yeah, but we haven't been able to do. We haven't been able to do our multiple, our multiples. So, you know, we kind of got stuck. So we have to record today. Yeah, and that's partially otherwise, my otherwise fault. Otherwise, she would not be making me do this today. We would just do it next week when, yeah. and use our buffer, but we don't have a buffer. We don't have a buffer, so, so here we this go. is actually being recorded on St. Patrick's Day. So I hope you guys had a safe and Ooh. fun St. Patrick's Day. Yes. Um, I'm wearing my green. Where's your green? I don't, I don't believe it. I'm Irish, so. Well, so am I. So are you going to pinch me? No, but Chip pinched me this morning when I didn't wear green, so I had to change. I like your little shirt with the, the unicorn the on it. <laughs> we'll take a picture of it and post yeah. it on Instagram so you can see that Tracy's wearing favorite, this awesome shirt. This is my favorite shirt in the whole wide world, and I only get to wear it once a year. So, How do you have clothes that fit from year to year? Because I... So I was going to this party, and basically it's the U.S.-Irish Alliance Party, which is the Oscar Wilde Awards, which take place before the Oscars. And I was – I have a dress, and it's a gigum dress. It's this gorgeous green, like – it's very on-brand with, with the U.S.-Irish Alliance. And uh, I went to go put it on, and it got up past my hips. And I had made my entire look based on this dress. Uh-oh. And it got up past my hips, and I was like, yes. And I put it on, and it fit, but I hadn't zipped it up yet, and it did not. <laughs> and I was so mad. T-shirts are a little easier to make fit from year to year. I mean, it doesn't fit well, but it fits. It's cute, though. I love it. It's cute. It's yeah. very cute. So what are we going to talk about today? So today we are talking about Peter Tork. Since he just passed recently, we mm-hmm. wanted to go ahead and do his episode and pay him respect and yeah, I guess to just talk about our lineup a little bit, we're doing... At this point, I don't care about spoilers. It used to be that I cared about spoilers, <laughs> but now I don't, so... What happens if we have to move people around? Well, I mean, we've got... The stuff that we've done in, like, our next couple of episodes are, like, kind of set already. So we're doing Karen Carpenter, then we're doing River Phoenix, and then we're going to be doing Keith Flint, because Keith Flint recently passed away, and... He was a huge part of the EDM uh, movement, oh, and yeah. so we we wanted to. So occasionally, episodes that we haven't researched yet might get usurped by someone who just passed away because we do want to honor them, right, as quickly as possible. So well, that's just it. River Phoenix. I've been. <laughs> We've had him on since the book week one. Since week one. Yeah, I was supposed to be doing him, but uh, he got he got preempted for some artist that passed recently so 
Yeah. So we had what James Ingram, James Ingram, and now Peter. Yeah. So, so. that's that's at least four weeks of research that <laughs> just yeah. kind of got pushed to the side. So yeah, that's true. All right. So let's uh, talk about Peter. Yeah. So we're going to talk about Peter. And once again, folks, I'm sorry, my voice is just kind of a little all over the place, and I really can't do much other than say sorry because you know sick happens all right so we're gonna get started on peter tork peter tork as you may know he's a musician composer and actor most famous for his time in the on the tv show and in the band called the monkeys i don't know if you have this in your notes the monkeys actually kind of created the first music video i do not have that in my notes yeah because they would you know, they had the variety show, but then they would slice up their little, like, musical intros into music videos. So they were one of the first people to actually kind of, like, pioneer that idea of creating music videos. Well, it would make sense because basically the whole band was around the TV show. So it was all about the TV show first. Peter Tork was born February 13th, 1942, as Peter Halston Torkelson in Washington, D.C., to Mother Virginia Hope Nay Strauss and Father Halston John Torkelson. His dad was an economics professor at the University of Connecticut, of all things. Wasn't that a TV show, The Torkelsons? <laughs> I think it is, actually. <laughs> yeah. I remember watching that when I was younger. It was one of those great, like, early 90s TV shows yeah. about, like, nuclear families. I could be getting that all wrong, but... <laughs> anyway whatever <laughs> yeah on. regardless i mean i think it was a thing though people most people think that peter tork was actually born in new york city in 1944 though because that was the date and place cited in the monkeys press releases <laughs> so they kind of get peter tork the character confused for peter tork the person that happens to me all the time yeah me too <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but he was interested in music from an early age, as most of our artists have been. Uh, he started studying the piano at the age of nine, and he showed a real aptitude for music and ended up learning several other instruments, including the banjo, acoustic bass, and guitar. And that's just some of the instruments over time that he's played. I mean, he's played like harpsichord and all sorts of crazy stuff. He was very, 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 very talented with music and instruments. After high school, he attended Carleton College in Minnesota for a while, for a minute, <laughs> not very long. Uh, rumor has it he failed out. Regardless, he did leave before finishing a degree. No, we have something in common. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> so he left Carleton College and moved to New York. So there you go. Mm -hmm. You and Peter Tork following the same path. Yeah, I've I've flunked out of college, and. Uh, then I moved to New York City. It doesn't say why he left college or flunked out of college. I'm not even 100% certain he did fail out. I mean, one article cited it. Others just said that he had attended and left early. I don't know. In New York, he became part of the folk music scene in Greenwich Village, befriending other up-and-coming musicians like Stephen Stills, best known from Buffalo Springfield, and Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. Yeah. No, wait, wait, what year is this? This is like early 60s. Okay, so not quite the flower child movement, but they're in that folk era? Yeah. Okay. They're, they're, they're in the beginning of that. Okay. Yeah, there wasn't really a lot of dates at this point in my research. 
The only thing I have is that then in 1965, both Stills and Peter Tork moved from New York to California. So this is kind of where them moving to California, then if you know your monkeys history, monkeys debuts the following year. This kind of starts his time with the monkeys, which, as we mentioned, the monkeys were a made-for-TV pop band. Kind of like the Archies. Yeah, whose comedic hijinks and misadventures were fashioned after the Beatles' classic films Hard Day's Night and Help. Uh, the show starred Davy Jones, Mickey Dolenz, Michael Nesmith, and, of course, Peter Tork. Now, is, is Michael the only one that's still alive? Uh, I think Mickey is, too. Yeah, Mickey and Mike, Mickey and Michael are still alive because they're touring right now. But it's actually was Peter Tork's relationship with Stephen Stills that got him the part on the Monkees because Stills was the one who originally auditioned. There's actually kind of a little bit of a discrepancy over why he didn't end up on the show. By some accounts, the producers felt that his hair and teeth would not photograph well. <laughs> and so they were looking for someone who looked similar to him, but better, essentially. Um, and that's why I do a podcast. Yeah, well, <laughs> apparently, like, from one account, like, it was mostly his teeth. Like, his teeth was the issue. And so they were looking for someone that had a similar open Nordic look. Mm. Um that could also sing, and so Stills had recommended, had introduced Peter Tork. By another account, Stephen Stills turned down the part because while he wanted to write music for the show, he would lose his publishing on it. More accounts stated the first being true mm -hmm. than the second, but we'll, we'll give it to Stephen. We'll let him have it. That I think he did fine. Yeah, he did, he did fine regardless, so, you know, it's all good. On the show, Peter Plate portrayed the lovable dummy, a persona that Tork had developed during his time performing in Greenwich Village. So he was fine with it. He was He's used to it. He'd created this character already and just embraced it for the show. Uh, the Monkees debuted in 1966 and lasted two seasons, earning an Emmy in 1967 for Outstanding Comedy Series. The Monkees became overnight stars, producing a series of number one hits with record sales surpassing the Beatles and the Rolling Stones combined in 1967. Wow. So they are wildly popular. Huh. However, critics are just slamming them left and right because in their minds and most of the other um you know other musicians at the time they're calling them the prefab four and like <laughs> that's actually really clever i mean it's clever <laughs> but it's also kind of it's it stinks for them because they're not being taken very seriously because all of their songs at the time are being written by other stable songwriters they're being the album the first two albums are performed completely by session musicians um but they're doing the vocals um dolan's and jones were doing some of the vocals we're doing the vocals they were doing the leads oh i mean they're all the music's kind of being performed by session musicians and even though like jones and dolan's are still going in and singing lead vocals on it like the rest of the music is pretty much not being done by then so they're getting a lot of flack about that and and being a pre 
proficient musician, Torque is actually the only member that was allowed to play their own instrument, playing what he described as third chair guitar on Michael Nesmith's song, Papa Jean's Blues, on their first album. <laughs> so he kind of got to play, but not really. And he actually, he was really upset about it. Um, him and Michael Nesmith were both really accomplished musicians in their own right. And while Dolan's and Jones didn't really play instruments well at first, they were very accomplished singers. You know, Davy Jones had played Oliver on Broadway and when he was a kid and the Oliver Twist show. Oh, yeah. Consider yeah. yourself. Yeah. I mean, so they they had their talents, whether they matched the actor, the character or not. You know, so Peter Tork was kind of upset about that. And in this uh, NAM oral history interview in 2009, Tork admits to having been upset about not being allowed to play on the albums at the time. Though looking back, he now can understand since they didn't even know how to make TV at the time and says that if they didn't make TV, they didn't have a project. So he kind of understood, like, they were spending all this time just trying to make the TV show and like he's gotten some perspective about it instead of being still upset that they weren't playing at the time on the albums. Eventually they were allowed to, to play. So the first two albums went out, went out without them. And then by the third album headquarters, they had taken control back of their own work so now they're playing and they're writing their songs. And uh, in that same oral history interview, Torque recalled headquarters having been more loose than the previous albums, but it was more them and their style because now they have more involvement in what's being put out and created. So it wasn't as successful commercially as the first two albums, but it started showing, like, started showcasing who they were as artists more i i really kind of respect that though because that they fought for their own integrity and even if it wasn't as successful they still were the ones that were producing it and it was it was what they wanted to produce right it's still kind of funny because in the dvd release from the first season of the show there's commentary from each of the bandmates and they kind of just they kind of talk about how because it's a band made for a TV show that each person's strong suit if they'd been if they'd been placed based on their strengths for live performance let's say um, it would have been a different lineup than what it actually was so torque says that if if the live performance lineups had been based solely on playing ability, it that it should have been Torque on the guitar, Nesmith on bass, Jones on drums, and Dolan's on lead vocals, rather than as it was done, which was Nesmith on guitar, Torque on bass, Dolan's on drums, and Davy Jones on lead vocals. And then Davy Jones would sometimes play bass if Peter Torque was playing keys. Huh. You would think that they would kind of do that little dance after they took control of it, but they stayed like that. Because, again, though, first and foremost, it's a TV show. Right. 
So the band members are based on their place in the TV show. Now they're back recording on, you know, they're they're working on their actual albums with headquarters being the being the first that they're actually involved with and and actually for, you know, they're doing all this touring and Jimi Hendrix is opening for them and being but this is this is before he's like super big. That is so weird. This is I know, right? This, but this is before they're super big. So this is like when Jimi Hendrix is still young and up and comer. So that he's getting heckled off the stage for to make way for the monkeys because people just want to see the monkeys. Um, wow. Man, times have changed. Yeah, right. So they're they're working on all the albums. They're working on the show. Torque on the subsequent recordings. He's now playing keyboards and bass and banjo, harpsichord. And all these other instruments on the recordings. Um, and he co-wrote, along with Joey Richards, the closing theme song of the second season of The Monkees called For Pete's Sake. And now Torque, now that he's kind of free from these restrictions of like, you can't play, or we want you to do this, or we want you to do that, whatever. He then ends up contributing some of the most memorable and catchy instrumental flourishes, such as the piano introduction in Daydream Believer. And, and that is I. Iconic. Oh yeah, that I would put that as song recognition. Like I put that in the top five when you you hear that that dun, 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 like that's mm-hmm. you you know it's Daydream Believer and oh, yeah. it that that song has got such a nostalgic flair to it that it just it it just that song instantly makes you happy. Oh yeah, just a great song. He also plays the banjo part on "You Told Me" and starts exploring occasional songwriting with the likes of For Pete's Sake and Lady's Baby. So he starts getting more and more involved with the music, which is great. I also kind of put in this as a side note because I thought this was really cute. Peter Tork is actually really close with his his maternal grandmother, Catherine McGuire Strauss, and stays with her from time to time when he was in his Greenwich Village days. And then... Even after he became a monkey, Grams, as he calls her, which I love that because I used to call my grandma that. Um, What's her name again? Catherine McGuire Strauss. That is a rich person name. No. His mother's side was um, Jewish Germans. So rich. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, maybe. I'm just saying that's a really fancy name that I feel like you're like, I'm Catherine. I I don't think that they, I don't think she was very rich, like. Maybe she wasn't, but I'm just saying that's a rich person's <laughs> name. Like that three name. Like if I was like, yes, my name is Lindley Douglas Ehrlich, and you're like, hand me your wallet, rich person. Or it's biographical, so they're telling me all the names. <laughs> Probably not that she actually uses them. Maybe she does. Maybe she doesn't. I don't know. I didn't know her. Okay. So, anyways, Graham's is a super fan. And manages his fan club, often writing personal letters to members and visiting music stores to make sure that they carried Monkey's records. That is so sweet. I know, right? Isn't that cute? That is cute. My grandma would totally do that. So as part of the Monkeys, they six albums were produced in total with the original Monkeys lineup, four of which went to number one on the Billboard chart. The success was supplemented by the two years of the television, of the TV program, and a series of successful concert tours, both 
across America and abroad, and then a trippy psychedelic movie called Head, which I feel like we have to have essentially was a flop. (laughs) I feel like we need to have a episode. We just meet me and you just need to sit down and watch these movies that they start in, like when Roy was in the fastest guitar in the West, right? And Head, and (laughs) we just need to just sit down and watch all these films. That calls for a bad movie night, basically. I'm good for that. Get some popcorn. Yeah. Well, because, well, yeah, because by all accounts, Head was basically a flop. I mean, it was written. Jack Nicholson had a hand in writing it, but I don't know. What? Yeah. <laughs> I read that in one of the research things. I didn't write down who the other writer was. Like Sorry. the Jack Nicholson? Yeah. Like, yeah. Wow. But I don't know. Huh. I don't know. Apparently it was a flop. I never heard of it other than this. So, so that but that head start heads kind of like the beginning of the end. Like they're making music and that's going really well, but like head didn't do well, and the show's kind of tapering off. And you know, as it, as I noted, it only it was only on the air for two seasons. So by 1968, it was canceled. But Recording and producing as a group was Peter Tork's major interest, and he had hoped that the four members would continue to work together as a band on future recordings. However, they don't have enough in common regarding their musical interests. So he makes a note at some point um, in, in an interview that, you know, this combination that was put together of him, Dolans, Nesmith, and Jones they wouldn't have organically found each other to work together. But if it had been a different pairing of people to be the monkeys, he doesn't believe that it would have still have had the same success. So in theory, they're kind of like, they kind of work off of each other, but they're kind of like the Backstreet Boys in that sense. Like the Backstreet Boys would have never found each other, but they were basically cast. Right. And it's kind of in the same vein as the monkeys. Yeah. So essentially, like, well, they're, yeah, they're basically the first, like, formed boy band. Manufactured. Manufactured boy, boy band, band, basically, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, unfortunately, they're kind of losing that steam. And tensions, both musical and personal, are increasing within the group and the band... The band finished a Far East tour in December of 1968 and then filmed a a TV special for NBC called 33 and a Third Revolutions Per Monkey, which rehashed many. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Great. Great title. 33 and a Third Revolutions. It's like the Naked Gun. Kind of. Yeah. (laughs) Which you have to wonder some some. For some of this stuff, like, if it didn't come from these things, like, like, 33 and a third, wasn't that a naked, that was a naked that was, gun. That was the naked gun. That was the third yeah. naked gun. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, you have to wonder if that was... A nod to the monkeys. Nod, maybe. Maybe. I'm not sure. Because, well, because naked gun was a... I would actually be curious if maybe this, they're both a nod to something else that we're not aware of. Well, the Naked Gun, I actually know this was a spoof of Police Squad. Well, yeah. So, I mean, 
with and that was a nineteen sixties, nineteen seventies TV show, so it wouldn't actually shock me. Yeah. If it was kind of like tipping their hat to the monkeys because it they that was a parody. So that's true. I don't know. If you know, let us know. You can email us at <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so they they filmed this special uh which rehashed many of the ideas from Head. So it's like, okay. So head rears its, you know, head again. Uh, oh, Tracy made a joke. Uh, I tried. You're punny. I'm trying. I'm trying to be funny. It's really hard right now. No. <laughs> so, yeah, this is happening. But no longer getting the group dynamic he wants and pleading exhaustion from the grueling schedule, Torque is done. He buy, He bought out... His remaining four years of contract at the cost of $160,000, leaving him with very little income left. Um, upon his leaving the monkeys, there's a couple kind of cool remembrances on that. So Nesmith, when, when Torque left, gave him a gold watch as a going away present engraved with from the guys down at work and Peter kept the back of the watch, but replaced like the actual watch. He kept the back, but replaced the watch several times over in later years, just so he always had the back, which is really cute. That is cute. That's really sweet. Yeah. Jones noted, Jones had noted at the time, Peter soul left us two and a half years ago. He was a banjo player from Greenwich village who made an actor and finally decided that he didn't want to be a Mark's brother forever. His heart was back in the village. That's all. And Dolan's reflected on Torque's departure as well saying three of us more or less played ourselves in the series. The odd one out is Peter Torque off stage. He's a real serious guy who thinks a lot about things like religion and problems in the world. But in the show, he throws off all that and becomes a dumb but likable character who is always doing the wrong thing at the wrong time. He kind of moons around with a lovesick expression on his face, not like the real Peter Torque at all. So that kind of makes sense, like, that it didn't last long for him because, I mean, he got, he was upset at first that they weren't actually involved with the music. And then now we're involved with the music, but I'm tired of playing this dummy <laughs> I could get that, though. That's so different from himself when everybody else kind of gets to still be themselves. Because then you're touring on top of it and you're doing all this other stuff that you just always have to be this this caricature of yourself that's not real. So when Peter Tork leaves the monkeys, this next part of his life is kind of marked by a period of what he called identity crisis as well as you know, some substance abuse. There's not a lot of discussion about it in different things that I was reading, but there are mentions of, you know, alcohol addiction until the early 80s. Um, and then I'll get to some other issues. I mean, it's the 60s. It's the late 60s, early 70s. Well, late 60s and 70s. So there's like pot and he's also got this alcohol addiction and so it's not a great period of time post monkeys for peter tork i love that you can literally like wrap up someone's addiction by going it was the 60s and then well and then you have an understanding of what happened yeah i mean so, 
there's really not much to discuss. I mean, there's there wasn't much, rather, there wasn't much information or details about anything of, like, going to rehab or what specifically he was taking, just substance abuse. And, yeah, in that time period, you know, you can kind of assume it's probably, you know, pot and those kind of drugs, as well as what they specifically noted in terms of the alcohol abuse. Mm. So I'm not trying to make light of it at all. No. Just... I don't have any details, so that's all I can assume. <laughs> Which actually tells you a lot about him. Yeah. Because it's... it's The it's, people aren't talking yeah. about that? Yeah. Yeah. So in December 1967, Peter Tork goes to London and contributes banjo to George Harrison's soundtrack to the 1968 film Wonderwall. However, while his playing is featured in the movie, it didn't make it onto the album like the soundtrack album cut so if you want to hear it you have to actually watch the movie his part can be heard 16 minutes into the film as professor collins is caught by his mother spying on penny lane hmm. penny lane is in my ear and in my so after that he forms a group Called Peter Tork and or Release. <laughs> it was the 60s. Yeah. There's some interesting speculation around this. So he he forms this group with girlfriend Rain Stewart? Rain? Rain, maybe? Rain? I don't know. Rain, Rain, Stewart. She's playing drums and Riley Wildflower Cummings on bass and then sometimes they also had singer keyboardist judy mahan um that sounds like a lot of ladies it is so it's like basically an all-female group with peter that's kind of awesome but about their sometimes fourth (laughs) torque said we sometimes have four we're thinking of having a rotating fourth right now the fourth is that girl i'm promoting named judy mahan and then in reference to the band Stewart states, we're like Peter's backup band, except we happen to be a group instead of a backup band. Hmm. Stewart met Torque, well, kind of became part of the group. She played drums on part of the 33 and a third revolution special. Oh, so she's known. I'm saying she, they know her capabilities because she's already performed with him. Yeah. Yeah. And she's dating Peter now this time. Release had hoped to have a record come out immediately. And did record a few demos, but saw little success. Uh, according to Stewart, Release was supposed to be the backing band for Mayhans for Judy Mayhans' 1970 solo album Moments, but was ultimately replaced. They mainly played parties for their in-crowd friends. One song was considered for the Easy Rider soundtrack, but the producers decided not to include it. It was the same producers as Head. Huh. Again, with head. Just keeps rearing its ugly head. Head. (laughs) (laughs) Release could not secure a record contract, and by 1970, which is only two years later, after he left the Beatles, or not the Beatles, (laughs) after he left the Monkees, by 1970, 
Torque was again a solo artist. He later recalled, I didn't know how to stick to it. I ran out of money and told the band members, I can't support us as a crew anymore. You'll just have to find your own way. So that's unfortunate. That's really sad. And then, so this, unfortunately, this begins kind of a dark period for him. Because he also has a record and movie production company, Breakthrough Influence Company, or Brinco, uh, also fails. Despite talent such as Lowell George, who, if you don't know who that is, he eventually uh, became the Little Feet guitarist. In that okay. folk realm again, yeah. So Peter sold his house in 1970, and he and a pregnant Rain Stewart moved into David Crosby's basement. He just can't stay away from Crosby, Stills, and Nash, can he? Well, they're buddies, you know. It's a good thing, I guess. They got buddies. And there's something really sad, though, about being, like, literally bigger <laughs> than the Beatles, and then now you're living in yeah, the basement. Yeah, you're in the basement of your friend's Friend's house yeah in 1971 he did get a credit co-arranging a mickey dolan solo single called easy on you however and it's not he's not setting out to fail he's trying to succeed in ways and he just can't and i mean that's that's really sad because at one point he was one of the biggest artists in the world and that's well yeah that's incredibly sad yeah so he did have that win uh however in 1972, which is going back to the substance abuse thing, and I kind of didn't want to give it all away too early. Uh, in 1972, he is arrested and convicted of possession of hashish, or hash, on his way from Texas into Mexico and spends three months in a federal penitentiary. Penitenti- so he goes to prison and then... After his release in the early 70s, he moves to Marin County, California. How long was he in prison? He was only in prison for three months. Okay. Yeah. So it wasn't very long. That's not very long. So he's we're still in 72 at that point. So then he moves to Marin County, California, where he joins the Fairfax Street Choir and plays guitar for a shuffle blues band called Osceola. And in 1973, he marries Rain. They have the, with the with their daughter. They have their daughter, yeah. and then that doesn't last very long, though. Yeah, he's only married to Rain from December of seventy three to nineteen seventy four. It's a short marriage. Very short marriage. Well, that's actually his second marriage. His first marriage was before he was a monkey. He was married to Jody Babb um, from June fifth of nineteen sixty four to. 1964. Like, from there, he moves back to Southern California in the mid-70s, where he marries Barbara Iannoli and has a son, Ivan, in 1975. So he has two kids now, the daughter and the son. Yes. Now it takes a job teaching at Pacific Hills School in Santa Monica. And they say that he's there for a year and a half, but then I saw, I found um, at this point in the mid to late seventies. He's spending a total of three years teaching various subjects, um, such as, so he's teaching music, social studies, math, French history. And then he's also coaching baseball for a number of different schools over that three years. But he's not teaching music. 
He is teaching music. That's he is. The first okay. thing I missed said. that. Oh, okay. That was the first thing I listed. Oh, wow. But I also love how when I was typing this, instead of math, I typed match. <laughs> Did I mention I'm sick? <laughs> you guys tracy's falling apart right now she's doing so good she's doing so good but just oh man i you guys send her love on instagram and twitter and i know send me Facebook. cute things to look at send her gifts <laughs> yeah um oh also at this point because because why not he's also a singing waiter in venice at this point at a restaurant in Venice somewhere. Does it say what restaurant it is? No, it did not. Damn. It just said in Venice. Um, you ever been to a singing restaurant? I have. Remember when Johnny Rockets used to, like if you played the no. Time Warp? No. They would do that. That must have been before I moved here. I think I've only been to a Johnny Rockets maybe twice, though. It's not bad food. Do they have veggie burgers? They might, actually, now. Actually, I think they do now. I think they do now, but I haven't been there. I mean, it's cute. It's kitschy. You know what I want really bad? What? A chocolate milkshake. But another little bright spot, again, in this whole three years of not the greatest. Uh, in 1976, Torque made a guest appearance with Dolan's, Jones, Boyce, and Hart on their concert tour in Disneyland. And later that year, he reunited with Dolan's and Jones in studio to record Christmas is My Time of Year, backed with White Christmas, which saw a limited fan club release that holiday season. So, so wait, the in the middle of that little three-year of really bad, he at least did something with Dolan's and the Monkees. So, like, the Monkees fan club's still going strong. Oh, yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. People love the monkeys. So then a chance meeting with Sire Records executive Pat Horgan at the bottom line in New York City led to Torque recording a six-song demo in the summer of 1980. Now, this is his first recording in several years, pretty much since he did that holiday recording. So, like, at least four years. But this is, like, six-song demo, kind of major thing. And I think it's probably that real hope and possibility that this could lead finally to something of his own. Horgan produced the six tracks with George Despigno. Despino? I'm not sure how to pronounce that, sorry. As engineer, uh, which included Two Monkeys covers, Shades of Grey and Pleasant Valley Sunday. And then the four other tracks were uh, entitled Good Looker, Since You Went Away, Higher and Higher, and Hi Hi Babe, um, which later on, Since You Went Away, will go on to appear on the Monkees' 1987 album Pool It. Yes, it is called Pool It instead of Cool It. Like P-O-O-L, like swimming yes, pool? like Pool It. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Also present at the sessions were Joan Jett, Chrissy Hind, and Tommy Ramone. So, yeah, there's some cool people in that room. Three people that have never been in my kitchen. They could come over and hang with us. We'd be yeah. all right with that. Yeah. Might be fine with that. Oh, my God, I would freaking die. 
Joan Jett and Chrissy Hind in the same room with me, <laughs> I would die. <laughs> I'd be all right with that. So when the recording's done, it gets sent to the president of Sire Records, Seymour Stein, uh, who rejected the demo, stating that there's nothing there. So all that for a whole lot of nothing. Mm. Torque would go on to record a second set of tracks in New York. But little is known about those besides the fact that there was yet another version of Pleasant Valley Sunday with an unknown rock band and a featured violin solo. During this time, though, Torque is also appearing regularly on the Uncle Floyd show where he performs comedy bits and uh, lip synced the Sire Records recordings. <laughs> so, you know, he's trying to get himself back out there. Again, Floyd claims... Torque was the first real star to appear on his show. Later, Davy Jones, the Ramones, Shrapnel, and others would follow in his footsteps. Then in 1981, he released the single, I'm Not Your Stepping Stone, with the New Monks, which I'm not sure what that is. I don't know if it was like another band that he tried to make. I'm not going to lie, that was pretty much the only thing that was mentioned about it. I'm not sure. I wonder if he was trying to um, kind of <coughs> hook his wagon to the brand recognition of the monkeys, like he it was a part be. of this, so... It could be because he is consistently going and covering monkey songs. So a little bit, I think. Yes. <laughs> so he's also doing some club performances and live TV appear appearances, including a bit on the late night with David Letterman called Win a Date with Peter Tork. <laughs> that is awesome. Oh, because just FYI, in 1982, he is still married to Barbara Iannoli, the longest marriage thus far. So that, that brings us kind of into that early 80s. What is happening now is there's kind of a resurgence for the monkeys due to nostalgia and then the reruns are being played on TV. And so this early 80s time, there's really kind of a resurgence and a, and a renewed demand for the monkeys, which turns out to be very beneficial for Peter Tork, who has obviously had trouble finding a footing for himself post-Monkeys. So after a 1985 tour with Davy Jones in Australia, Peter Tork rejoins fellow Monkeys Jones and Mickey Dolans for a highly successful 20th anniversary reunion tour in 1986. Three new songs are recorded by Tork and Dolans for a greatest hits release, and Jones, Dolans, and Torque recorded Pool It, like I mentioned earlier, in 1987. So, you know, it's kind of all coming back monkeys. The missing link is found. <laughs> I can't believe I just made that joke. <laughs> Get it? Missing link monkeys? Please go to bed. <laughs> I have to wait. I'm almost done. <laughs> <laughs> baby no I'm fine <laughs> you're starting to laugh uncontrollably I think it's funny in 1996 all four members recorded the album Justice which is the first recording from all four since 1968 the four performed live in the UK in 1997 but after that only Torque Jones and Dolans would tour together until a public feud in 2001. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, 
since 1986, Torque intermittently toured with former Monkees bandmates, as I as I noted. But he also tor- did some work with his own bands, the Peter Torque Project, and another band called Shoe Suede Blues. I see what they did Get there. Get yep, it? Yep. Instead of yep. blue suede shoes. Yep. Yeah. They should have called it the Missing Link. Well, apparently there were like outtake albums that they did call the missing links like per the show and and supposedly mickey dolan's was in a band prior to the monkeys called the missing link supposedly (laughs) so i mean this is i'm not the first one to make this horrible joke Lindley. i'm just the first one to laugh at it like it was actually funny in 1991 so i'm kind of going backwards a little bit here because i'm gonna fill in like i filled in where we were with the monkeys through that timeline but then like this is all this kind of stuff he was doing in between that, if that's all right. Uh, so in 1991, he formed a band called the Dashboard Saints and played at a pizza parlor in Gorneville, California. I don't know. Where's Gorneville? I have no idea. It's the place where Dashboard Saints played in a pizza parlor in 1991. In 1994, he released his first album-length solo project, Stranger Things Have Happened which featured brief appearances by Mickey Dolenz and Michael Nesmith. Uh, And then in 1995, he returned to TV on a little show called Boy Meets World as Topanga Lawrence's father. Now, this may mean nothing to you, but as a, as this was my, this was, that was like my jam when I was a kid. That was my era. Oh man, Ryder Strong was so hot. Oh God, yeah. He was so good. He was so he good. He was so pretty. He was, oh yeah, so pretty. I had such a crush on him. Me too. Yeah. So Peter Tork was Topanga's dad. Then in, there's an episode though. In season three, episode eight, Davy Jones and Mickey Dolenz also have guest spots in the episode called Rave On, in which they don't play monkeys. But they do end up taking the stage together as a band uh, with Peter Tork to perform Not Fade Away and My Girl. Because it's like a dance or something. I vaguely remember that. I know. Like I'm trying to, I was trying to remember it when I was doing the research on it. And I'm like, oh my god, I totally remember this. So as an added inside joke in this story, or in the episode rather, uh, actor Dave Madden who was best known as the band manager Ruben Kincaid on The Partridge Family. Yeah, I remember that, yeah. Also cameoed on the episode as a manager who appeared wanting to manage the new group, telling them they could be bigger than the Beatles. (laughs) So it's just basically one giant inside joke. Um, Purportedly, both Mike Nesmith... And Patty Boyd, who was the Beatle, who was George Harrison's ex-wife, uh, attended the taping. So kind of a funny little thing. That had to be a hell of a day on set. Oh, yeah. I would have. That would have been really fun to be there. Yep. Later that year, uh, or also that year, rather, Torque also re- reportedly appeared on an episode of Wings as himself. The only show that USA used to show. Right? <laughs> I know. That was a great show. I couldn't get... There wasn't a backup on IMDb for this, though. So I don't know if he just wasn't credited in the role or what. But hmm. but it didn't show up. But it, 
the story was out there that he appeared on an episode of Wings as himself bidding against Crystal Bernard's character on the monkey mobile. <laughs> you remember the monkey mobile? No. Oh my god, it was great. It was a modified Is it like the Wiener Mobile? No, it was a modified GTO, dude. It's way cooler than the Wiener Mobile. Says you. Well, in this case I'm right. In nineteen ninety six Tork collaborated on the album Two Man Band with folk singer songwriter James Lee Stanley. Uh they also released a follow up album in two thousand one called Once Again. In ninety eight to ni- to two thousand one Torque had recurring guest role on Seventh Heaven, which is also really big in my childhood. Uh, then in 1999, he appeared on King of Queens as a wedding band leader. And then in 2001, Torque took time out from touring to appear in a leading role for the short film Mixed Signals. In 2002, he resumed work with his band Shoe Suede Blues, touring extensively from 2006 to 2007 following the release of their album Cambria Hotel. In in early 2008, this is the part that I told you about. Uh, in early 2008, he started Ask Peter Tork, an online advice column for the webzine The Daily Panic, which I just thought that was so cool when I saw that during my research. I just thought that was so much fun. It's, that's really cool, though. Ask Peter Tork. So in a quote from the editor, Thera Gwynn, it says, You know, I can hear you asking from here. Why an advice column? Why ask Peter Tork? It's simple, really. He's good at it. So, you know. It's the best reason to do something is because you're good at it. Exactly. Which makes sense. I mean, if you go back to the fact that he's not this, like, doofy guy. He's actually really serious and thinks a lot about a lot of things. And he went through everything in his career. He had the supreme up, the very low, and then back kind of up and into. Now, sorry to interrupt. But I will say, when we say the very low, we don't mean his teaching times. There's nothing greater than someone who wants to teach. So I think oh, that no, that's, no, 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 no. I think I don't want it to come across as you thinking that, like, uh, that, that the audience is thinking that we're saying that his lowest point was teaching. That is not what she's saying. No, not at all. I mean, I'm just talking about, like... The substance abuse, the going to prison. Yeah. Those those times. He's not, been, he's He's had a huge change and a wide range of experiences in his life to draw from yeah a job is a job is a job yes but it can be a definite lifestyle change yes from when you are at the peak of fame where you're outselling major artists to the point where you're working in venice so there's a there's absolutely a difference in lifestyle so there's a change there trust me you guys have heard me talk on the, the, the podcast before. I was a server. I've, I've served most of my life from like age 18 to I think 35. I was working in restaurants on and off. I mean, it's. I'd still rather be working in a restaurant. Sometimes it's, you know, the hours. Far. I actually really enjoyed working in restaurants. So I don't think it's a dig. I just like, honestly. Yeah. I mean, some of my best times were were made in the restaurant I used to work in and I made friends that I still talk to to this day and I love I loved working in restaurants cuz you get to meet so many new people you get to experience things you might not experience at a different job you right. don't we're it's not way like off track. yeah <laughs> but 
the 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 point is is that we're not maligning being a server. We're not maligning being a teacher. No. We're just suggesting that within his life he has had this broad spectrum of jobs and some of them would well, be a serious lifestyle a broad, change. A broad spectrum of experience, period. Yeah. Like So he's fully qualified because Yeah. To do Ask Peter Tork because he's been a waiter. He's been married multiple times. He lived through the sixties. He he's been, he's yeah. been to jail. He's been Yeah. So that that makes know. him qualified to do Ask Peter Tork. Yes. All right. Anyways. So remember that falling out from two thousand one with the rest of the band you said public falling out yes public feud public feud dun, dun, dun. so in 2011 torque dolans and jones reunite for an evening with the monkeys the 45th anniversary tour uh then in 2012 torque dolans and nesmith go out in on tour in honor of the album headquarters 45th anniversary as well as in tribute to Davy Jones, who died in February that year. Somebody else will have to cover on the podcast as well. Of course. <laughs> uh, the trio would tour again in 2013 and 2014. Uh, 2016, Torque and Dolans toured as the Monkees with occasional guest appearances by Nesmith. Uh, as recently as 2016, Torque marveled at the power of nostalgia and the band's ability to draw a crowd even when most of the music was produced with the aid of side musicians in the beginning, obviously. This is not a band, Torque told The Telegraph. It's an entertainment operation whose function is monkey music. It took me a while to get to grips with that, but what great music it turned out to be. And what a wild and wonderful trip it has taken us on, the quote from Torque. In his personal life, I mean, I kind of already mentioned his wives and his kids, he did have an additional third daughter, a third child, a daughter named Erica from a relationship with Tammy Sustak, which was not from a marriage. But in 2014, he married Pamela Grapes, and they were married until his death this year. And speaking of which, in 2009, Torque reported that he had been diagnosed with adenoid cystic carcinoma, which is a rare, slow-growing form of head and neck cancer. From all accounts, it sounds like it affected his tongue. Mm. On March 4th, 2009... Wait, so that was 2009? 2009, yeah. That's 10 years of living with that. Yes. On March 4th, 2009, Torque underwent a successful surgery in New York, but on June 11th, a spokesperson for Torque reported that the cancer had returned. He began radiation therapy in July that same year. He was able to continue to tour and perform throughout his treatments, though. Obviously, I mean, he was still touring with the Beatles. Or with, <sighs> he was still touring with the Monkees through 2016. Wow. So he's been able to still do a lot. And the radiation worked for a while, so that was good. Torque documented his experience on Facebook and encouraged fans to support research efforts. His cancer returned in 2018. Torque died of complications from the disease on February 21st, 2019 at his home in Mansfield, Connecticut. He was 77 years old. From Torque's official website, Peter's energy, intelligence, silliness, and curiosity were traits that for decades brought laughter and enjoyment to millions, including those of us closest to him. Those traits also equipped him well to take on cancer, a condition he met with unwavering humor and courage. 
Also on his site is a link to make contributions in Peter's name to the scholarship fund at the Institution for the Musical Arts in Massachusetts. Nesmith and Dolans are currently touring with the Mike and Mickey show. The tour had already been planned, knowing that complications with Torque's condition would not allow him to participate. Dolans notes, Peter acknowledged a few years ago, in fact, that he had some health issues. So Mike and I sort of went through the morning last year because we had an idea that what was coming. The pair paid tributes to their fallen bandmates with specific songs, Daydream Believer for Jones and For Pete's Sake for Torque which was the closing theme of the Monkees TV show. Mm -hmm. And I I hate to bring it down at the end, but um, I would like to say that I got the news yesterday that my friend Kat, Catherine Jones, um, lost her battle to cancer. I'm sorry. And, um... I had a Facebook post that she wrote um, back in February that I wanted to read. Mm-hmm. Just to to put it into perspective, Catherine wrote, Tomorrow morning, when you're dreading getting out of bed to go to that yoga class or kickboxing class or the buddy workout you set up, just think of me saying this. I would give anything to have one more day to be capable of that. I would give anything to have my health back. Please go exercise till you can't possibly exercise anymore. It's a gift to be able to, even when you hate it. Instead of radiation today, I got sent to the ER because they're seeing a layer of fluid in my left lung, and that isn't good. Mostly because the way it possibly got there is usually not good. I'll explain more later, but if I just had one more chance to run, jump, play, I'd snatch it up in a second. And so, not to steamroll your episode, but I would like to dedicate this since they both passed away of cancer i'd like to dedicate this episode to cat um she was a very dear friend of mine that uh was very active in the beginning of mine and will's relationships um we didn't get to talk a lot toward the end of her life but she was a beautiful vivacious girl and she had lots of people that loved her and lots of people that are going to miss her and I regret that I didn't spend a lot of time with her toward the end and um you know I this is one of the few times that I will on my own volition cuss but fuck cancer it takes beautiful people off this planet and I wish that there was more that could be done because she was a wife she was a mother she was a daughter and she was a friend and she was beautiful and so she will be missed. I'm sorry. It's, it sucks. But she was there the night that Will proposed to me. Oh, that's nice. Peter dealt with cancer for 10 years. Mm-hmm. Having it come back again and again. And it sucks. Mm-hmm. It sucks. It yeah. sucks because you're, you, you don't ever know if you're actually free of it. And he had a tremendous life. And he did have ups and downs and bumps in the road, but he will be remembered, and he is loved oh, yeah. by millions of people even today. Well, I'm glad that the that he was able to kind of come back and find that footing again. It sounds like it just seems like once he kind of, I mean the the renewed enthusiasm for the monkeys definitely helped helped him kind of 
get back into that footing and into that world again with the support of of the rest of the bandmates being able to kind of come back together it it gave him that platform again and gave him an opportunity to then get better footing with his own projects too you know the the his work with the monkeys is was a big part of his life and career and you know i'm sure that the other members feel that same way that it's several years and people i mean the catalog is huge in that in that nam uh in that brief nam oral history what is nam uh n-a-m-m it's a music conference like held annually or yeah i don't know exactly what it stands for off the top of my no, head that's fine but yeah, that part will probably get it cut is, out. It is a real thing. <laughs> but yeah, so that brief oral history that he had that I found was, you know, he said the longest they played was three hours. Like they usually play like an hour show, but then like the longest that they played was three. And he said that their catalog was so large that people don't even realize that they probably could easily just playing their favorites and the fan favorites could probably easily play for like four or five hours. I'll believe it. I think the Spotify playlist is, <coughs> hang on. It's longer than you would think. They have a lot, they have a lot out. Well, because they had the six albums, they had the six albums from when they were, when they first started. And then they recorded another couple albums after that too. Okay. So the Spotify playlist has mainly just Peter Tork and the monkeys, not any of his side projects. Right. And it's four hours and 30 minutes. Yeah. There are 90 songs on the Spotify playlist. So if you want to go check that out, you can do that. Yeah. So uh, that's about it for the episode, right? Yeah, that's it. That was excellent. Good research. Yeah. Thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, that's about it for today. Day, uh, just a couple reminders. We're still doing the March giveaway of either A Sick Life by T Boz or Only the Lonely, the book about Roy Orbison, which is uh, our research books. And all you have to do is go to iTunes and leave a rating and a review. And the one that we love the most, we will pick that one and you'll get to choose which book you want. Also, if you have already left us a rating or review, don't worry, you're automatically entered into this contest. So we also have a, I don't know if you would call it a promotion going or not. If you listened to last week's episode on Chris Cornell, you may have noticed that that was a, uh, what we call a listener episode, a fan episode. Our first Patreon patron got to choose not only the topic of the episode, but also the presenter. So LD presented uh, Chris Cornell's life and story for our Patreon, Andrea, which or, thank or, you again. Or, or Andrea. Andrea, not sure. <laughs> Hopefully we're, we've been saying it right. We don't know. So something that we're doing for the next nine Patreon patrons is at the groupie level is that you get to email us your top three picks of a topic and one of us will cover them so just as a thank you for for listening to the show and supporting the show you will get our pick of one of your top three artists yeah and don't think that if we don't pick your other two it's not because they're not in the mix already it's just you you will fast track 
that artist. You can check out our Spotify playlist for every artist that we have covered so far on my personal Spotify, which is Lindley Ehrlich. Please feel free to go over and follow that. Steal my playlist. Totally fine. The spelling of my name is not the easiest. So it's L-Y-N-L-Y, last name E-H-R-L-I-C-H. And you can check out every artist that we've covered on the podcast so far. And you maybe even will catch some spoilers. So there you go. So if you would like to contribute to our Patreon, you can find us at patreon.com backslash rock and roll heaven. You can find us on Twitter at rock and roll LT. You can find us on Facebook at rock and roll heaven pod. Our Instagram is rock and roll heaven LT. I refuse to say our website anymore because seriously, it's too freaking long. And then finally, you can email us at rock and roll heaven LT at gmail.com. And please make sure to wherever you have a podcatcher, please make sure to rate and review our podcasts. Uh, that helps us get more visibility and helps bring more people to the podcast. We just uh, we would love to. We get don't some have sponsors. any sponsors yet. We don't have so. any sponsors yet. I think that's about it. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Okay. Well, you guys, please head over to our Facebook page and send Tracy some love. Send her mm. some funny gifts or pictures or hugs she loves dogs uh, she loves aerosmith <laughs> i do love aerosmith so head over and to dogs head over to rock and roll heaven pod and send tracy some love because she will see it there because she, she's been the responsible one on facebook <laughs> i am not and that's I tried i i don't know this past week i've not been as active on our social because i've been dying slowly which is interesting because you're coughing like you have tuberculosis and i was actually at a tuberculosis hospital so i went to kentucky to go on <laughs> waverly hills sanatorium nice segue yeah so both Chip of said us that too you have the white plague i do well guys thank you I've got the consumption she has consumption She's going to have to move to Tombstone and become a, a car dealer. A car dealer? Oh, card. Card. Dealer. I well, get it. Card, card shark. Okay. Card shark. Maverick. Yeah. Well, more like. Poker player. Doc Holliday. I don't know what that was. I don't know what that was supposed to be. <laughs> it was supposed to be me like flipping cards. Was it? Yeah. <laughs> I wish you could see the hand motion she's doing. It's just like. It's like. <laughs> Like a Mardi Gras, come here. Like, a, <laughs> give me some beads. No, I was flipping cards. Flip, 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 flip. Is, flip. Hang on. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Okay, there you go. Can you explain what you're like, doing, Tracy? I'm, I'm flipping cards. I'm like flipping them, flipping them, flipping them. Just flipping them. Flipping the cards. Flipping the cards. Flipping the cards. No? You'd be fired from Vegas. <laughs> Well, good thing I don't work in Vegas. Flip the cards, no? <laughs> I'm done. That's going on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> so, guys, thank you so much for checking out this week's episode. We hope you liked it. Check us out next Saturday where we'll be covering the life of Karen Carpenter. That's going to be a really long one. I'm just warning you. It, it actually might kill Tracy. It we may, don't know yet. It may kill me. Other than that, you guys have a great week. Keep on rocking in the free world. And Tracy, I love you. Please go to bed. Okay. Bye, LD. 
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points. 